Happy New Year. This is your mortgage bestie, Reese, and you're listening to The Encouragers, episode 38. I will see those commercials for Navy Credit uh, Federal um, Union all over. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Gronk? He's all over. <laughs> yeah. Really to, do you really have to be military? To, you can only be a military personnel or, or retired or someone from the military? Is that true? You can only. No, no. That's kind of why they amped up the commercials lately. That's why everybody's like, dang, I heard you guys on the radio. I heard you guys on the Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. Um, because they're trying to get the message across that you don't have to be military only. So you can be um, military family. You can be a DOD government employee or their family. And then once somebody joins Navy federal, their family members can join too. So I've met like so many people that have literally zero affiliation with the military and that's, mm -hmm. that's cool with us, but there's like a billion and one ways in. And I've, I always try, like every time I sit down with somebody, I, I try to find them a way in if they don't know how. And I think there's only been like one or two people in my whole life that I really was like, okay, I don't think you can join, but most people, they have some type of way they could get in. Oh, nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. I know that, like some banks, like when I lived down in Vegas, I lived, you know, I lived all over the place. I lived in Vegas and I know like they had a, um, um, a bank specifically for all the gaming people, gaming I think it was called West Star Credit Union, but it's like you have to be, uh, you have to work for a casino or some entertainment to be able to get into that. So when I heard about Navy Credit Federal Union, I, I thought it was kind of like the same. But that's all. That's interesting. It's cool. What's up, Jake? What's up? What's can up? Us, can you hear us okay? Yeah. Yeah. You guys oh. sound great. Can you hear oh, me okay? Yeah. yeah. yeah sounds good. Yeah. Hello, just made hello. It in time. <laughs> you made it in time for the sound check. So you're good, man. Good. But yeah, we we were just kind of just vamping right now, just talking a little bit, and um, just I had I have so many questions I want to ask. So I reach out, I I I go around, I reach out to people and see just basically what I want to learn and 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 know more about. So thank you, Reese, for is it do we, did I say your name right, the Reese Laufasa? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, and that's Jake. Jake is in North Carolina, and I'm in Reno, and. Basically, we can go ahead and get started right now. Tonga's going to be jumping on here in a minute. He's getting his camera and stuff set up. But uh, we can go ahead and get started and just just go. This is the first podcast of the year, so this is pretty cool. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, kind of Just kind of so to start it off, uh, we, yeah. I saw a very impressive picture of you doing some exercises on the internet. On the internet. Um, is that something you do every day or try to? do every day? I try. I, I, I try my best. Um, but I don't always make it not every day. I'm trying to get, of course it's the new year. Like everybody has their new year resolution and it's always fitness, right? Um, I'm, I'm trying to do at least daily, like even if it's only 10 minutes or so, I'm trying to make it to lift like every day. Cause I feel like that's when I work my best and I'm really trying to have like a great year because the market's wild so you have to like hype yourself up in this market if you want to survive <laughs> All right attitude is everything right mm -hmm. that's what's up so uh, so talk about that we we talk about fitness a lot it's particularly uh of huge interest to me because i've been lifting weights over the years quite it, it was really kind of a hobby and a passion of mine um i i kind of took more the the strength 
aspect, I was always trying to get stronger. That was kind of my, so I wasn't really much into like the bodybuilding aspect, although, um, you know, that's side of it. You're going to get bigger if you lift heavy, right? Um, but, uh, I, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, it's becoming tougher and tougher to recover as I get older, which is like one of the downsides, but I still love it. Um, so what's, what's kind of your specialty? What do you like doing? Man, it's just, it changes so much with me because I grew up, uh, playing volleyball and my dad was like a Disney channel dad. And so all of my siblings, I have three older brothers every single one of us, he was like, you guys are going to college for sports. Like that's what you're doing. And so every single one of us was in the gym, like training every day. But when you're an athlete, like you train for your sport. And so when I finally stopped playing volleyball, then I was like, what do I do now? You know, like I, I played volleyball, like all these years in like, I don't know what to train for anymore. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing in the gym anymore. Um, so I tried like cycling, yoga, um, powerlifting. I even had like a bodybuilding phase that I went through. And then finally I tried, uh, I tried Olympic lifting last year and I, I had done a lot of Olympic lifting growing up playing volleyball cause it, it, it helps with like that strength training aspect, but I never did it to the extent where like my trainer was working on like how I grip the bar and so detailed and like how I'm doing those lifts. And so I really got into that was like two years ago. And that's probably my favorite type of workout right now. Um, but I still do like all those other ones. Every time I get a little bit bored in the gym, then I'll go like do a cycling class or I did like hot yoga last week. It just depends on how I'm feeling that day. I don't really have like a set routine. Olympic lifting, is that like the clean and jerk? Mm -hmm. Like the, you pull it up to your chin and then you have to pop it up real quick. That that type of lifting? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like clean and jerk, okay. snatches, um, it, all that. It's that type of stuff. Super technical. Yeah. Those are hard to do with good technique. <laughs> yeah. At least for me. Mines are so bad. Oh, I'm definitely not like the technique person, but I try my best. I try my best. If you, if you watch me do some of them, especially now, it's like, it's, you, you'll, you'll, you're going to want to look away because I just try and muscle it up at this point. Like if I could go back and redo my, uh, like, so, so like after college, my, my fitness journey again, I would focus, I, I just kind of focused on strength, mostly like I think a lot of guys, but I would focus on flexibility, um, mm -hmm. just as much mobility, just as much, um, just the longevity aspect of recovery. Like those are the things I were, I, I was, I was, I missed. And so I'm trying to play catch up on some of those things now, but yeah, if I could go back and do it again, I would, I would have incorporated a lot of those. Um, I would have loved to actually get real technical with those Olympic lifts, but they were always super hard for me to do. Main reason is my shoulders don't without going into too much detail. I have a hard time. Like throwing stuff over my head like that. Like my shoulders don't like, I don't have good range of motion. And so, uh, so that was always my big struggle was like, you know, with the technique there, I was just muscling it all up and uh, like hurt my shoulders and stuff like that. So maybe it wasn't meant to be, or I needed to focus, like I mentioned on some of those things like mobility and flexibility first before I could have gone into those. So those was always fun to do, but a big challenge for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's different nowadays because, um, you know, back then, you know, when we were going to college, they were just trying to get us, like the athletes, when we played ball and stuff, bigger, faster, stronger. You know what I mean? They were just trying to get us to to compete at a high level really quick. 
But nowadays, man, I see these like high school kids, they take like yoga classes during like part of their curriculum is to take yoga and stretching and meditation classes. I'm like, yo, I wish we had this when we were going to school. You know what I mean? Like you see all these kids now, uh, wrestling kids, they're doing meditation, do more flexing. You know, I mean, not flexing, but more, uh, what is it? See, that's how much I don't even do it. Uh, stretching. <laughs> yeah, like yoga and activations and yeah. loaded stretching, which is kind of like big, like a big thing for um, improving your flexibility. There's so much like new, like knowledge is is, knowledge. is easier to find now. Right. And yeah, I do. I wish I had it. I had more of it when I was younger. That's for sure. That's oh, yeah. So, man, yeah, and not, you know, the knowledge tip, we're here, we're here, we're talking with Reese Laufasa. She's from, she's a mortgage, professional mortgage lender in, uh, out of Phoenix, Arizona. And um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I know we just, we just ramble here and just talk. So, but <laughs> we'd love to give you a chance. So, yeah, just feel free to butt in anytime that we're talking. But um, Reese, can you go ahead and just give a, just a little introduction of yourself or what, we, what, what you want our listeners to know who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I, uh, have been in the industry for about five years. I started just working part-time for Navy federal credit union. I was like, I found myself living in Korea and I was just looking for a job. I was like, I just want to do something while I'm here. And I found Navy federal and I had already had them for credit union. So I was like, Hmm, like maybe I'll work there part-time, you know, that'll be cool. So I got a little part-time job there. And then I realized like how amazing they were as a company to work for. And every like step that I took with them, it was like, man, they just taught me so much. And so I, um, they have something you can become an MLO inside of the branch and you can start taking mortgage applications. So I started doing that when I was in the branch and I loved it and I wanted to know more. So I um, decided I wanted to be the actual loan officer and take it a little step further. So the loan officers are the ones that get the applications and then they'll actually take a buyer all the way from start to finish when they buy a home. Um, so I did that for two years and I closed over 200 loans in my first two years, which is like a crazy, wow. yeah, it was a wild two years and it was during COVID Um so it was when the rates were super low and I just jumped in at like a super high volume time. Um, but I was able to keep up and most of my surveys were perfect. So I really learned to like care about people and I found this love for like educating people. Cause when they come to you with a mortgage application, sometimes you can get a super qualified person that's like, you're looking at their application. You're like, why haven't you bought a house? Like, you know, that's crazy. And their answer is always like, well, nobody really told me, like, I didn't even know. And so that part of the job, I was like, man, I need to like find some way to let all these people know that they can buy houses and make sure like people know how to buy houses. Um, so this new job came out, uh, business development officer, and you still got to work with the mortgage teams, but that's really what the aspect of the job is, is you're just an educator. So right now I don't actually carry all of the loans. I still have an eyesight on any loan that I bring in. And there's still people that are on my team that I work with that are the loan officers on them. 
Um, but my main job is to like educate people from the start, answer all their questions and then stay there with them throughout their entire home buying process, um, until they close. And then I work with all of our, our partners too, like realtors and builders that would help with the transaction. So technically I'm a mortgage lender, but really I like to say like, I'm an educator and I really like to just help people learn about the whole process. Man, that's dope. That's awesome. I don't think a lot of banks or a lot of different institutions have a particular person like that. That seems really personable to me, right? Yeah, they don't. They don't. Most of the time it's the loan officer that'll do the whole thing, which is great. I mean, sometimes the loan officers, they have the capacity to do it. Um, but when you're closing, like my last year as a loan officer, I closed 155 loans. When you're closing 155 loans, it takes so much time. And I know because I worked a crazy amount of overtime that year, it takes so much time to do that part yourself. So it's nice to just be that person for the loan officers too, where they can just focus on like getting the loan done, getting their tasks done, making sure it closes. And then they have me to like educate and help them with that part. Man, that's crazy. We actually, um, we came across your social media and we found we there was a, a media a social media post that you put on it was a I think it was instagram that you it was a it was a popular real sound effect right and then it was you slapping the the screen right so you got immediately got our attention just hitting the screen and then it i, I think the caption was you can buy a home for zero to five percent down something like that do you know do you know i could i could share yeah. it here but yeah it was uh it was like blown it was like, stop thinking that you need a 20% down payment and you can also right. zero to 5% down. Right. That's, you know, my wife and I, we're trying to buy our purchase home. And so this is the reason why I reached out to you because I want to know the product, learn a little bit more behind the process of purchasing home. And recently Jake here, he just closed on his home, um, on his condo out in North Carolina. So he's just recently bought his first purchase. So his first property. So I'm like, mm -hmm. he's going, he gone through the process, you know what I mean? So, That's you know what I'm saying? So I think that education, um, what you're sharing with everyone, with your social media reels and all that is super important and, and it can just uplift us and put us in different situations, right? Having correct information, applying it. Mm -hmm. Right. From my perspective, it was, it was yeah. complicated. Like, and a lot of it was super new to me, um, you know, and thankfully I had my house in order. So, you know, my credit was in a good spot place and, um, I was able to, but it was just, it was, it was difficult to find the right information. And, uh, I, I feel like the loan officers assumed I would know more than I, than I did as, a, and I, I researched too, like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a researcher. That's what kind of what I like, I like to do is figure out so I can understand. But even having done that, I was like, you know, just, you know, if it was my 22 year old self trying to do this, it would have been really, really hard um, to prepare for something like that. So, you know, the, the value that you bring where you kind of ease that transition for people, just me having gone through it as like a, a, a much more um, grown adult than a 22 year old version of myself, you know, we, we appreciate, appreciate seeing that and making it, making it, um, making it just more easily uh, how you go from step to step right and how you prepare for it and then how you go through it so yeah a lot of people... go ahead go ahead reese sorry no no worries it's it's so tough the whole process um sometimes 
I actually love to like take a step back and talk to somebody who literally knows nothing because then they'll remind me of all of the basic questions that you have to go through with every single person. Um, and I think it's great that you do your own research. I think that that's super helpful in the process, but yeah, sometimes loan officers, they get so busy. They forget that not everybody has gone through this and it's not something that they do every day. Um, so they forget to like go back to those basic questions and then first time home buyers, especially they don't even know what to ask. So then loan officers are like, Oh yeah. Do you have any questions? And it's like, well, yeah, I have a lot of questions, but I don't know what they are. And so the way that I like to do things is like, I'll, I'll say, well, you ask your questions first. And then after they ask their questions, then I'm like, okay, well, this is what you should know. And then I'll go through like an entire step-by-step of like things that I tell the same thing to every person. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then um, like, how important is it to develop that, to find a good mortgage lender, like m- mortgage uh, person like yourself? How, how important is that? Oh In my the God. home buying process. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great question. Cause it can make or break your entire deal. Um, not finding the right lender and then not finding the right realtor can break your entire deal. Um, and that's because people talk in the industry. So a lot of us, we have heard of the person that's on your contract or the person that you want to work with. We've heard of them before. Um, and sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. And if you're not working with somebody that has been recommended by somebody or you're not working with somebody that you found and, and you know that they've been working with you, um, before you're just ready to submit an application, you might not get all the information that you need, um, to feel like you're making a good purchase and to feel comfortable throughout the process. Like there's so many people that will go through the entire process scared, um, because they just don't know what's going on. And if they had worked with the right lender from the very beginning, like for, for me personally, I spent an hour talking to somebody at like 5 PM yesterday that doesn't even know if she's ready to submit an application. And that's cool with me. I don't, I don't care if she ever submits an application. It's more about like, I want her to know everything before she even says I'm ready because if you, if you start trying to learn about the process when you're ready to submit an application, it's so stressful. There's so many things that you have to intake. So it's best, like if you're not ready, it's best to start trying to research it right now and find a good lender that's willing to talk to you. If you say like, well, I'm not ready. If you say I'm not ready and they're like, okay, we'll talk to me in six months, not the right lender because they don't really care about giving you information. All they care about is getting your money and taking your application when you're ready to purchase. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it helps to be a nice person when you're doing this type of work. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like if you, if you're helping that one person out and they show how caring you are, like you show how caring you are, they're going to want to like referrals are huge, right? Referrals are huge in any type of business. So that one person can lead you down to 10, 15 other people, probably I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. A lot of people, they build their business that way, like straight up off referrals. Mm -hmm. And that's all that, that they have to do is just be a good person. And then the, the leads, they just come in for them. 
authenticity. So I've been in sales for over 20 years. I think authenticity is the single best trait that you can have. Because if you think about how much like email campaigns and we're advertised to off on our phone constantly to the social media apps. So we're advertised to more than even 20 years ago, right? So you're constantly advertised to. So how do you stand out? In my opinion, being authentic, showing that you're kind, that you care. That is a rare trait in sales, but it to me, it's the most, it, it's an indicator of, of success if you have that trait. So I love that you said that. Being personable. Right. I'm I'm taking notes. We always take notes um when we're doing our podcast, especially we're trying to learn from um, you know, professional individuals like yourself, Reese. So being personal, I need to find a working lender that is personable and doesn't mm-hmm. just like feed me BS. So I'm gonna have to turn on my BS meter when I'm out there. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And then you no. also find mm-hmm. somebody that um is super knowledgeable. So when I say that, I mean don't find somebody that's like, well, I've been in the business for 20 years. Okay. That's great. Like some people it's like 20 years can mean a lot, but sometimes 20 years doesn't mean squat. Like you can be in the business for 20 years and be closing less than somebody that's been in the business for a year with real estate specifically. Cause people jump into this and they just, they just flourish sometimes like their first few years. And so it's also great to say like, how many people have, how many families have you helped? buy a home. Like how many people like that. those loans with, because yeah. if they, they've helped one person in the past mm-hmm. two months, like, come on. And cutting you know, it. Have wonder yeah, why. I have to wonder why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's mm-hmm. the business is not the best indicator of their knowledge, but the amount of deals that they've closed, the amount of families they close. And then you can also just ask them straight up, like, what can you offer me? Like, what makes you different? If they, have to pause, not a great lender, not a great realtor. Mm. Man, that's crazy. So, so when you ask like, what makes you different, what are some of the things we should be looking for there? It's going to depend on the person, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. So if you're looking for, um, your first house, you've never bought your house, you've never bought a house before, you know, nothing about the process. You might be looking for, um, Hey, Hello. What's up, uh, up Tonga? Hey, what's Tonga. I want to welcome everyone. Uh, Tonga from the Card House, Texas, over here on the podcast with us now. What's up, brother? What's up, guys? Not a whole lot. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, How you good? You're good, man. You, your audio sounds good and your video sounds good, bro. You're good. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you- go, go on, Reese. Okay. If you're a first time home buyer, you might be looking for a lender that um, can walk you through the entire process. Somebody that's patient, that's going to give you all the information that you need, go through all the different programs that you might be eligible for. Um, And then for a realtor, you are also looking for that same thing with them. If you're like an investor, investors are going to be looking for something completely different. They're going to be looking for... um, a realtor that specializes in investors because they need to know, Hey, if I'm looking at this house, like, is it going to make me money and how, 
Um, and then for a lender, they're looking for lenders that offer specific products for investors and that have loans that are outside the box. Cause if they're a full-time investor, they don't have a job. All they have is the, um, income from their houses. So their tax returns and their, they don't have pay stubs, everything in that sense will look different for their income. So they need a lender that knows how to work with that. Um, so it kind of just depends on like what type of house you're looking for and then how many times you've done the process uh, on what type of lender and realtor that you need to work with. Cause like for me personally, I specialize in first time home buyers and VA loans. So the, the, those groups, I got you anything you need. I got you, but the investors, a lot of times, like I'll even refer investors to other lenders because it's not that I don't want to help you. I want you to get the best person that's going to give you the best financial advice. And I'm just not that person right now for investors because I don't have as many products as like my broker friends might have. So sometimes lenders even will refer out um, if we don't specialize in like a certain field. Mm, okay. That's good. Good, good tip to know. What are some things that I myself, uh, me and my wife can do before um, when we're in this process right now? We haven't started, but we're looking, saving up our chips, right? What What are some things I can, we can do um, to prepare us to go into someone, talk to someone like you, Reese, um, to get a loan for a home? Um, so I can personally set up like a an appointment outside the podcast and go through like your personal situation so we can really dive into what that looks like for you. But just, um, so you can still talk to a lender, even if you're not ready to buy, you don't wanna pull your credit yet, you can still talk to someone to see like, hey, this is what I got going on. Can you let me know what I should be doing or you know what, what red flags do you see? What am I doing right? Um, but just in general, if somebody's looking to purchase a home, um, try to make sure that you, the way that you're paid doesn't change. Um, and if you don't have a two-year job history, just know that there's a chance that you might have to wait unless you were like in school before. Um, and then just saving up as much as you possibly can. You can buy a home with zero to 5% down for a, a primary residence if you're planning on living there. But if you can put down more, sometimes that's great. Or like if you can just have extra money in case there's repairs, just save as much as you can. And then um, check your credit if you haven't already. You typically want to be at least in like 640s or above for most lenders, um, just to be looking at the, just to be looking at like getting qualified for most. And then um, if you have a credit score above that, that's great. You might be getting better rates that way. Um, but if you haven't checked your credit, definitely check. There are so many different apps you can check your credit on. Um, the best and most accurate one that I've found so far is the MyFICO app because they actually give you a housing credit score. So they'll give you like all the different types of scores that lenders look at and their housing scores. Um, it's usually pretty accurate on there. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would work on like those three main things if you're not ready to talk to a lender yet. So how much of the credit score and what part of the credit score? Because you just said something really super interesting, the FICO score. What's the difference between the FICO score and the credit score for our listeners to understand what that is, the difference? So I'm not like a super credit expert, so I can't dive too right. deep into the difference in like the names, but there's just different 
credit scores that you have that um, all types of lenders will look at. So if you're applying for an auto loan, um, that credit score is going to look way different than your mortgage credit score. And usually like an auto lender or a credit card um, lender, they will only pull one score from one credit bureau. Uh, for mortgage lenders, they're pulling your whole life story for your credit. And so we pull all three credit bureaus and then we usually use whatever the middle score is. And then we have your entire credit history ever. So we usually need to look at like the past two years for like missed payments, any delinquencies. Um, but we have the whole picture. Like if you have a 20 year credit history, we see like the whole 20 years on there. Mm, okay. So like student loans and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So it's really like super comprehensive with mortgage. And then a lot of people will find that their, their mortgage credit score is low, is uh lower than what they see on like credit karma or or on like experian.com. Um, and they'll be really surprised when they get their credit pulled for a mortgage app. And they're like, what? I thought my credit score was 700. What do you mean? It's 660, you know? Jeez. Okay. All right. That's, that's a great tip too. Great pro tip right there. So let's say, um, a lot of people that I know, um, are freelancers, even myself included. I, I, I have a normal nine to five job. And then I freelance um, video work and photography work. How do we um, implement our freelancing income into the application of a mortgage, you know, to apply for a mortgage, uh, mortgage loan? Is there a way to do that? Is there an easy process? Or is that pretty difficult to do? Yeah, you can do it. Um, I wouldn't say it's like the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It can be kind of difficult because most lenders are going to require that you have a two-year history of it. Um, two year meaning you have two full tax returns. So if you've been doing this for um, all of 2020, all of 2021, then um, actually, wow, 2022 just ended and we're about to file taxes for 20. That's crazy. Okay. So when you go to file taxes for 2022, mm-hmm. you did this all of 2022 and all of 2021, and your income from it was pretty steady. Um, you might be able to use it on a mortgage application, but we're going to need your full tax returns and then typically a profit and loss statement and maybe your business bank statements to, um, check if the income is steady and then, um, on your tax returns, we usually take the net income from self-employment. So if you're writing everything off, sometimes we can actually see that it shows a loss on your tax returns. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad because I've seen people that are even making like they're a millionaire Mm -hmm. and they have no money to show on their mortgage application because their CPA is too good at writing things off and they didn't pay any taxes on anything. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, your CPA has to know that you want to buy a home. So if you like freelancer, if you have 1099s, even Uber drivers, like Uber drivers, if you do Uber on the side, um, make sure when you file your taxes, you have a good CPA that knows you want to buy a house in two years so that they know like, oh, maybe I shouldn't write off every little thing. So you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to pay taxes if you want to buy a house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause no bank wants to loan you money if they don't show, you know, if you're not showing any income coming in. Right. I think. Right. Okay. 
makes sense. <laughs> Dang, yeah. that's crazy. I really did love uh like the the myth that you posted uh on there. Now are there other like well-known um home buying myths that you can walk us through that um is good for everybody to know? Ooh, there's so many. There's so many. I would say the biggest ones that I've heard are probably the 20% down. Everyone thinking you need 20% down to buy a home. Um, also everybody thinking that if you don't put 20%, then you're going to have to pay PMI, which is private mortgage insurance. It's basically an extra, like usually a few hundred dollars that you're going to have to pay per month as part of your mortgage payment until you have 20% equity in your home. And then you can request to have it canceled. Um, not every lender requires PMI. So Navy federal credit union is one of them. So on that one video, I got so much heat because everyone's like, yeah, but if you don't put 20% down, then you have to pay PMI. And I had to respond to like every single comment. And I'm like, we don't require PMI here. We don't require PMI. So that's another big myth. You don't always have to pay PMI if you put less than 20% down. Um, another one is that if if you get your credit pulled um, by multiple mortgage lenders, then your score is going to drop significantly every time that you go shopping. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for mortgage, you have a 45-day window where you can get your credit pulled. And you can get it pulled by like 20 different lenders in that time frame. And it looks like you only got it pulled once as far as your score dropping. So once you get that first one pulled, every other lender after that is going to see the same score as the first one. And so that a lot of people I've met, they, they're like, well, I only reached out to one lender because I didn't want my score to drop. You should definitely shop lenders. Um, and then with that, everybody thinks like you should just go with the lender that has the lowest rate. You can negotiate mortgage rates. It's pretty cool because some people have rate match programs like us. We have an actual program in place where we're like, hey, we'll give you $1,000 if you can find somebody that has a better rate with, than us and we can't match it for you. And then some people, um, they get commissions based on uh, the loans that they close. And so sometimes they'll give you like part of their commission to get you to close with them. So you can negotiate rates too. Uh, they're not always just like set in stone. Wow. I never knew that. Mm -hmm. I don't think any, I never, did you know that Jake? Did you negotiate? Did you ever negotiate in your rates when you purchased I, your uh, condo? I tried to, um, I, and I had multiple lenders, but the, the one I was trying to negotiate with had the best rate to begin with out of mm -hmm. the other ones that I did. So I was, I kind of, they offered me a good rate off the, off the get go. It was also a bad time because every other week the rate was going up. Um, it seemed like, and so, cause I bought in, so I bought in 2022 in June is when I closed. And so if you remember at that time, it was starting, it was skyrocketing a few points, almost like every couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt some urgency. Um, and then I had some urgency cause I had to find, uh, the place where I was renting, um, abruptly, I couldn't rent there. Uh, I wasn't given much warning. And so I, I was in a little bit of a rush. So I tried, I, it, I was not successful. Yeah, but at least the rate was good at the. So I, I compared three lenders, is how I you know I did it. But I you know I felt rushed too. Normally I would have liked to spend more time. My original lender, 
that I wanted was, so my, uh, my dad served in the military and my grandpa and grandma did, and my grandpa on the other side. So I was trying to go through USAA, uh, but they don't, don't lend to, for condos. So, I, so then I had to go and find other lenders, uh, cause I have a lot of my banking through USAA already. So that, that just, I find oh, kind of, kind of the same thing with, with, with Navy fed. I know they're probably your, your, um, your biggest nemesis, right. But the <laughs> good thing, the good thing about the, both of them that I've found, I have less experience with Navy fed, but the customer service that you get from the military backed lenders is just bar none. Nobody else competes and, um, walking you through processes, the lender, uh, USAA, I didn't know I was going to get a condo right away. Cause I was looking at houses. I, I, I made my real estate agent take me through like 30 something different, um, places. So I was running to him through the ringer, but, um, <laughs> so I, I, I didn't know it was going to be a condo. And so originally it was like USA, I was pre-approved and, you know, everything was, everything started to go, um, you know, it, it changed one. Uh, so apparently during COVID they stopped lending for, for condos. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, apparently a way to mitigate some risk, uh, you know, in their, in their portfolio of, of loans, cause they didn't know what was going to happen through COVID. I think a lot of lenders were cautious at that point. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, so, so I had to jump through a lot of hoops, uh, to get it done. Um, but I basically started looking in April and closed in June. And so it was pretty fast all while I was, yeah, I was working my regular nine to five. I was trying to start a, a new little side hustle business, uh, at, at, at that time. And I have another job. I work on the weekends and house hunt. It was a pretty hectic time in my life, but yeah, I, I think I did pretty good for, uh, I probably slept for like a month after I finally like got moved in <laughs> and got everything in. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was rushed, but I feel like I did well with the, with, with the, the, the way that the cookie crumbled, I think I did well. So, uh, but I'll be much more prepared next time. And from taking notes from all the advice you're giving. <laughs> Good. No, I'm just joking. USAA is actually a great company. We, we work together a lot. Like, um, sometimes they have, like they have insurance. We don't have insurance. So a lot of Navy federal members, they have both. Um, I have both. <laughs> don't tell anyone, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're a good company. Yeah. That leads me to my next question. I was going to wonder, I was kind of wondering like, how, who should you go to? What bank should you go to? Should you go, should, should you go, should you go to a credit union or like something like bank of America? That's where I bank with bank of America. Like, what are the differences of going to whichever bank? That's a great question um, because a lot of realtors would probably say, don't go to a bank at all. They hate big banks and sometimes they even hate credit unions. Um, but then they find out that we're, that we're local. Um, so the reason that realtors and uh, a lot of even other mortgage lenders will say, don't go to your bank, don't go to your credit union is because a lot of them are famous for having terrible customer service and you won't be able to talk to anybody. Like they don't have direct phone numbers sometimes. And that is the case with a lot of big banks. So I would say bank of America, like, I don't want to talk bad about them because I don't really know exactly how their mortgage process is. But before you even apply there, I would definitely ask like when you call in, um, or try to find somebody that knows a bank of America loan officer that does have a great reputation and say like, Hey, 
what's my process going to be like here? Am I going to get a cell phone number? Am I going to get somebody I can talk to directly? And mm-hmm. am I going to work with one person or am I going to be working with whoever answers the phone that day? Um, because local, they call them local lenders. Um, local lenders will usually only be able to lend in like their state. And they usually only work in like a small area, like a few mm-hmm. cities wide. Um, those local lenders, they have cell phones, they'll answer your phone call at like 9 PM and, um, they'll go the extra mile for you. And they work with a lot of local realtors on a regular basis. So when you have that teamwork and your realtor knows your lender, a lot of times it just goes smoother because they're like, Hey, I know what you need. You know what I need? Let's get it done. Um, whereas like the big bank, sometimes the realtors, they don't even know who to call. And if your realtor's trying to help you and they don't even know how to get in touch with your lender, that's kind of what makes them upset. So I personally wouldn't even recommend going to a bank or a credit union unless you know somebody there or unless they tell you on the phone when you are applying what your process is going to be like and that you're going to get a direct loan officer that you're going to be working with the whole time. Mm, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Bank of America was one of the three that I was comparing against and a lot of things that you said ring true. Uh, plus their closing time was double uh, what everybody else's were. And, and then I called in a couple of times with somebody different every time. Um, so it was it was just more of a tough experience because my initial experience with the USAA was amazing. So why I rely on them so much. It was the same officer every time I called back in. So, you know, there's just a lot of positivity. But once we found out it was the condo, then I had to pivot and find somebody else like real fast. Um, so, you know, so that was the tough part. But yeah, that's yeah. But I didn't have a loan officer that I already knew. I do wish I had somebody like that because, but it's like, how do you find someone like that already? Um, you know, unless you know somebody, but yeah, I, I like off my time living here, I didn't know a loan officer. Right. So how would you recommend finding a good loan officer? That's a great question. So I would take one, if you're working with a great realtor, um, that you love, ask them for their recommendation. And then, um, sometimes like a banker credit union, they won't be their preferred lender, but, they will have worked with them with like another buyer that they worked with, or they were like the seller in another transaction. And they're like, Whoa, this is like the best transaction I've ever had with Navy federal, which in a lot of, in a lot of cases, like when I was doing loans, that's where a lot of my referrals came in from because people were like, Whoa, like I never knew anybody personally at Navy federal. Um, can I just request you next time? And so realtors, anytime that they had a buyer, that was like, oh, well, I was planning on applying with Navy Federal. Then they would be like, oh, wait, I know Reese. Like, you should reach out to Reese. And so they didn't recommend me on every single loan. But if they knew that their buyer wanted to use Navy Federal, then they would. So I would say, like, if you want to use Bank of America, then you should ask your realtor, like, hey, did you have anybody at Bank of America that you ever had a great transaction with? Um, and then you can also just search on like social media. Um, but I think that's how a lot of people find me. They're like, I didn't know you guys were on social media and not all of us are, but I just have smart ones are smart. So tell our listeners how they would find you Reese. 
You can, you can find me on Instagram, um, by don't lease with Reese, um, or you can put in my name, Reese LaFossa. And, um, you can also, if they Google me, then they would find my LinkedIn. They would find my contact information on there. So I would, I would try to Google loan officer, bank of America, see if you can find somebody with reviews. Like that's who you're trying to go with. Mm but if you can't find anybody, then it might be a sign that mm. it might not be uh, the person you want to go with. Yeah. I ain't, I ain't feeling Bank of America. I'm trying to make, I, I keep reading all these different books, right? About like becoming your own bank. That's like one of my 300 goals, right? Uh, become my own bank. And um, and just, uh, I don't know. They're cool. Like the, the bank tellers that I go to, the bank uh, clerks and stuff, they're super helpful. Been known them for years. But yeah, I don't know. Something about when they fail that one year <laughs> kind of threw, threw me off. <laughs> but well, um, there's a there's a secret that like, well, it's not really a secret. It's just the fact that a lot of people, they don't know. You know the difference between a bank and a credit union? I was going to ask you that. No, I don't. <laughs> so credit unions, I didn't, and it's, it's funny because I didn't even know before I started working for a credit union, mm-hmm. but credit unions are actually nonprofit. So the reason why credit unions have like a group that they usually serve, like teachers or military, um, government employees, things like that, is because credit unions are actually owned by the members that have accounts there. And so like with Navy Federal, every single person that has accounts with us, they have to open up a membership share savings account and then they have to put $5 in and it's a deposit hold that we keep unless you cancel your membership and that's what makes you a member with us so if you're owned by the members and you're nonprofit, then credit unions are usually working to get their members the best deals because they technically own the credit union and then since they're nonprofit, all the money that they make from like fees and rates and all all that um all the accounts it goes back to making the credit union better and then back to members accounts. Literally, like we actually give dividends on the accounts and you get money back in your accounts when you're with a, a credit union. You get dividends? So, Is it quarterly? Yeah. So if you, if I always tell everybody, like if you're not going to use Navy Federal, like definitely please use another credit union because mm-hmm. there's a huge difference between a credit union and a bank. How do you get into that dividends? Do you just be a member and they just, how does that apply? How do you... How do you cash in on or apply for that? Or- yeah, so the dividends are on every single account with us. Depending on which account it is, you're going to get like higher dividends. So with our checking account, um, that's usually like the lowest because people keep the lowest balances in there. And then you get a little bit higher with savings. And then you get a little bit higher with money market savings. And then there's like certificates of deposit, which is kind of like a lockdown savings account. And we can count on that money being in there for a certain amount of time. That's where you get like the major payouts as far as dividends go. Um, but at Navy federal, at least we have them on every single account just automatically. It's almost like owning stock in, in Navy federal. Like if you were to look at it that way, uh, where you're not, you're not necessarily, it's almost like, I guess because because of you're thinking long term, so almost like a four hundred one k or Roth IRA, but not really. You're just kind of holding longer. So I- interesting concept. I didn't know that about credit unions. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. People will be like, what's this like three cents or four cents that keeps going into my account every month. Mm -hmm. And you're like, it's free money for keeping (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty fun. You would find that out. And I was working in the credit union. I love when people ask that. (laughs) Man, that's dope. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start moving. You know what? I don't get no kind of dividends from my big bank. I nope. think I'm going to, because I, I, we have a credit union bank at Mountain America Credit Union. There's no, I don't think there's no, I don't think there's any Navy Federal Credit Union out here in Reno. I'm going to have to search that one. But yeah, shoot. But we pretty much do everything online though. Mm-hmm. So probably, I honestly, I really go into the credit union um, unless I, I need something like serious and fast. But I, I usually do everything online. Yeah. Yeah, same here. That's the way of the future right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What's the requirements again to be to bank with Navy Fed? So you have to um, be military, DOD, government employee, or family members of those groups, immediate family members. Immediate. And um, the one that a lot of people don't really uh, think about when they're thinking family members is, um, military members. So a lot of people think like, Oh, the military member has to join Navy federal and then I can join. But if you have a family member that was ever in the military, even if they don't have us, you can join. So like if your brother, for example, was in the Navy and he's like, I don't like Navy federal, I don't want to use them. (laughs) You can still have Navy federal just because he was in the Navy. What about a parent? Does that work? Yep. Any immediate family members. So it even gotcha. goes like adopted children. Yeah. Similar to USA's policy uh, is, is, is kind of along those same lines. So, cause that's, I never served, but that's how I'm able to have access to USAA. Um, but that's interesting. I didn't know I could have Navy fed too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't, it's really sad because there's a lot of like really cool products. Like we have this certificate that's out right now. Um, and it's a year long. I can't remember the exact rate, so don't quote me on it, but I want to say it was like over 4% in dividends. And it was like, you could put up to 3000 in there and you can de- keep depositing as much as you want. And so it's like, if you put $3,000 and you even got 4%, let me see what the math on that would be. You'd have like an, another $120 at the end of the year at the least in that account, if you didn't keep redepositing the dividends in there, but if you just keep redepositing, then you actually have more. Are dividends taxed? Is that stuff, is that earned mm-hmm. income? It's earned they income. Yes. Yep. Support it. Is it, is it taxed? Is it considered capital gains the same way that would be in the stock market? I don't, I don't know for sure. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, I want to say it's like $10 if you get like $10 or less, cause I'm not like a tax professional or anything, mm-hmm. but I think it's, if you make $10 or less per year, then you don't have to report it. Um, but I, I don't know that it gets taxed the same as capital gains cause capital gains is kind of crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember like ever paying that much on my dividends for taxes. Man, well, that's so good. that's good to know. I had another question just popped up. Um, so when I'm going to apply for uh, different like loans, right? Different loan. Are there multiple loans I can apply for, like an FHA combined with like a VA or say, 
or something like that, you know, um, can you combine loans or packages or products for home a, purchasing? So you can't combine them, but you can apply for one product and then say, Hey, I want to like, you know, see all my options. And then they can switch you to a different product usually, um, in the pre-approval stage, even after you go under contract, but then you'd have to let the seller know that you want to switch your product. Um, but yeah, they can show you your whole lineup of options and then you can choose before you go under contract for a home, which one fits best with whatever purchase you end up going with. Mm, so you, can, okay. you can't combine different products, but you can apply for whatever products that that company has when you get, when you get a pre-approval letter. Mm, okay. And the determining factor um, pretty much is these credit score, your FICO score, your mortgage score, right? That determines what product will best outfit you for the home loan you could apply for, basically, more or less. So there's usually a couple different um, there's a couple different things that we look at for what product yeah. fits you best. Um, nowadays, there's so many different products for your occupation. So there's even like first responder products. Sometimes there's first time homebuyer products. So we'll look at like your career and what type of home you're purchasing. And then your credit score is one of them too. But uh, the biggest determining factor I'd say is your down payment. Mm, the money, however, the cash. Yeah. Yeah. How, however much money you have to put down, that's usually what will be like the final determining factor of like, okay, this is probably your best bet for getting the best deal. If you're a first time home buyer, you can get creative with that. For example, if you've been working with somebody a long time, you can take a loan against your 401k. Um, I'm, I'm, by the way, not a financial advisor, so I can't like give give um, advice that you have to follow by any means. But um, the 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 difference between using that is as you pay, you can you can choose to pay that back um, through through your paycheck of the company that you work for. And you're paying your own interest back to yourself versus paying it back to a bank or another loan, right? So there are, just my point in bringing this up, you can get creative with down payments if that's the route you're going to take. If you don't necessarily have 40000 in the bank or whatever for your down payment, um, there are other ways to go if you have, uh, is a Roth the same way too? Roth and a 401k? Dude, you're hired. Jake is our new loan <laughs> officer, basically, because he knows... <laughs> All the cool tricks. <laughs> um, yeah, you can you can borrow against your 401k and then the loan, it doesn't... So whatever your 401k is in Roth or traditional, um, you can usually borrow against it and it doesn't count against your debt to income ratio. So you, you can't take out a regular loan to do it because then it will affect your budget for buying a home. But the 401k is usually the best place to pull from if you have one. Yeah, I may or may not have used that with mine. Now, is it only first-time homebuyer that can do that, or can you do it? Um, I know it has to be your primary residence, but is it? Are you? Can you only do it when you're buying your first home? Um, it depends on your four hundred one k, like who, whatever competes with. So whatever they say um, is whatever we're cool with. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> right. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes people think they don't have money to buy a home, but they have it sitting right there in their 401k. Mm. 
Right. And then I was uh, potentially using this to avoid having to pay the, um, the, the, um, what do you call it? The, the mortgage interest payment? Uh, was it, what did you say? What was it? PMI? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I may or may not have used that to avoid because the bank that I ended up getting lending from was going to have, have that. And so I tried to get creative there. Yeah. That's a really good option. Okay. Okay. Learn a little pro tip right there. A little, right. <clears throat> a little pro tip. <laughs> So, yeah, and just uh, to recap the benefit there, notice is just you're paying yeah. yourself interest back to your 401k right, right. instead of paying, you know, instead of paying the the mortgage payment, which is, uh, or the the more what is it for PMI? Uh, uh private mortgage. Yeah, private mortgage insurance, which you don't get back, right? You don't get that back. Yeah, exactly. So, so I was like, I'll just pay interest to myself through my 401k as I pay it back so that my 401k is just going to build more rather than lose that money. So that was the logic behind choosing that avenue. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Go ahead and rewind that a couple of times, folks, to, to get that pro tip right there. <laughs> and um, so, Reese, where, um, do you work outside of, are you just limited to Arizona of who you can help with uh, different products that you're doing, offering? No, we um, actually lend in all 50 states. What? you? Mm-hmm. Can you say that one more time? Yeah, yeah. We lend in all 50 states. So I can do a loan anywhere. Um, my team tries to promote in Arizona. So a mm-hmm. lot of the um, work that we do is to try to help Arizona Arizonians. Mm-hmm. What's the word? I'm yeah, from I think Washington. that works. That works. Yeah, that works. Yep, you're good. <laughs> checks out. Um, that's where we do a lot of our work, but, um, we do loans in Washington, Texas all the time. I think Florida is another one that our team does on a regular basis in California. Yeah. Sweet. We both so, lived in, uh, in Arizona before. Both oh yeah. Jake, noticed. you lived there too. Yeah. Jake, I forgot Jake. Yeah. Lived, we all lived in Arizona except for tech. Mm-hmm. I think, I think tech just came down <laughs> to, to, to visit. But yeah, that's crazy. Um, so let's say our listeners listen to this podcast, um, and they want to, um, to reach out for you or to you to help them get a loan for a home. How how what, what would the process be like for them to to establish that? So I'm working. I'm in the process of um, scheduling, or uh, sorry, putting a link to my book now on my Instagram. So nice. at Reese underscore with Reese soon. There's going to be a calendar link where you can just click and then schedule a meeting with me. And then I'll go over everything with you. Or you can just call or text me at 682-220-7309. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right there. Direct number folks. Um, And then again, for like, man, I probably don't want to beat a dead horse, but Typically, when you're a freelancer and you want to apply that income to apply for a home, you want to more or less show that you've been doing it for at least two, two, three years. At least two years. At least two. Um, it's it's two full tax years. Two so, tax years. Mm-hmm. for example, if you're applying like after you file your taxes for 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have been doing that for all of 2022 and then all of 2021. 
So if you like started your business in 2021 and you only had like six months worth Mm -hmm. um, or you didn't do too hot that year, we might not be able to use it because then it doesn't really look regular for two years. Um, So you just want to make sure like it's a steady source of income that's either increasing or stays the same. Copy that. And then work history, that's important as well, right? How how long of a, of a typical work history do you want to show um, the banks or loan officers? So typically you want at least two years of work history in um, ideally the same position. It's easiest when you have it in the same position, but that's, that's not the only um, way that we can lend. So sometimes there's cases where you have somebody that has a great job. Um, they're just about to start it. So they, they only have a job offer letter and they're just waiting on their start date, but they've been going to school for the past two years. Like nurses, nurses are a great example, um, of people that have like really solid jobs right out the gate when they graduate. Um, we can sometimes use school as your work history. So people that are just starting new careers, they can even use like a job offer letter to, um, as long as they're getting paid on on W-2s and they have like a regular salary or base hourly income, uh, then we can use a job offer letter to, to loan for them. Nice. That is another pro tip. I ain't ever heard. You heard that here first, folks. You know what I'm saying? We are the encouraged son. You heard that right here. What's up, coach? How you doing? Can you hear us okay? I made it, fellas. Oh, made what's it. up, coach? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yourself to our guest, coach. Hey, what's up, man? I'm sorry I, I hopped on here late. How come I look fuzzy? Like, do I look fuzzy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't um it could be uh your the 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 camera could be like a little little smudge on it or something. Maybe wipe it. I, I I think Zoom is see see how Reese is blurred. I think your your blur option is trying to blur you too. Uh, yeah, at the dude. same time, it's the Zoom. How oh, dare them try to bl- hold up, man? People, <laughs> if, you, if you have a little bit of light, a little bit more light on you, I think it'll separate you from the background. I got you. Yeah, yeah, but you okay. you're fine. We can see you. We can hear you. Sound great. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm man. sorry I, I hopped in here late, fellas. All your good, coach. Miss. All good. All good. Hey, they call me coach. And um been friends with these guys. These guys were my roommates back in college. And um, we've just been friends ever since and trying to connect and just trying to find ways to encourage our poly peoples. Um, just trying to get on a different level. You know, mom and dad came from the islands. And I think it's our purpose, our job to kind of take that next step in life and try to encourage our next generation after us. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I heard all you guys um, played football together and I have to like ask what years you guys were. Cause all my brothers played football. I was about to say, do you have a brother? I have three. Yeah. I have three older brothers and then we have one that like kind of adopted too. Texas El Paso. La Fossa. Yeah. Oh. Did your brother play in the NFL too? Did you, I think yes. Yeah. 
for the Bengals. Was it uh, Cincinnati Bengals? What's his name? Darren. Darren. Oh, okay, yeah, Darren. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's your brother. Yeah, that's okay. we're like, we're like twins. He's um, only a year apart from me. So, like when we grew up, everybody thought we were twins because we were always together. Yeah, I actually went to go when I got out of the army. I I went to go live with him for his last semester of college, just mm. so I could watch his last season. Oh, nice! That's what's up. And you at UTEP, right? Yeah. Right next to the border. Yeah, <laughs> and then a couple of my brothers they played for um, Wazoo, so I think he said you guys are at ASU or something, right? So I was like, yeah, they coach played at ASU. Yeah. yeah. And one of my brothers was, he played at um, UW. So I was like, they probably played against each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Those like... schools were, um, they were pretty good. It was just, it was fun to go there and, and play in their stadium. Um, you know, it would have been even better if we would have beat them. <laughs> 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 We have a missing member of of the of the podcast, Paul. He probably played against your brother in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, Paul, we yeah, don't have likely. him on tonight. But yeah, he played in in uh, he played with Coach at ASU and then went to the league afterwards. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, small world. I man, I remember watching your brother. Did he play fullback or like a running back? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was strong, bro. Yeah, he was a strong, strong kid. Mm-hmm. Just be running people over, man. I think it was like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's up. Got to tell him you said hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The Polynesian community is, you know, it's a it's a tight knit group, you know, especially mm-hmm. in football. In football, man, it just connects all of us and music, right? But yeah. and then you get uh, your Samoan descent. Hmm. What yeah. was it mean? Yeah, like, um, thank you again for coming on. But we, yeah, our one of our biggest things here is just uh, encouraging and um, and and providing information to, you know, our Pacific Island community, oceanic people, you know, diaspora. So it, it's great to see someone like yourself um, that someone else can identify with. You know, that's a it's it's important to see people in those spaces, in our in our culture and our community. So it's been a treat to have you on and sharing your knowledge and information and your journey. Cause you know, there's a lot of things that you've gone through to be able to be at this point in your career and your life to be able to share with us. So thank you for that. Coach, did you have any questions um, to Reese over here about um, anything at all? Man, I'm sorry, Reese. I usually try to catch the drift of the podcast and try to just, you know, add on. I really um, don't really have anything too much to add. You know, I wish we could, can we restart this again? <laughs> <laughs> so I can figure out what you guys were talking about. Cause I missed everything and I rushed home so I can try to catch on. So I apologize. Well, well let me jump in. Yeah. Let me jump in coach. I'll, I'll ask one. So, now that we kind of connected it to the Polynesian side of things, are there many um, in the mortgage side of things, are there many Polynesians that you work with or that you um, kind of have uh, a connection with a uh, social circle with? Uh, 
it was it mostly are you kind of on an island out there by yourself oh my gosh i love that you asked that um and we're talking about buying homes coach so if you have any questions about buying home let me know um there's like no polynesians in this industry like there's barely any of us there's like a very few that i've met um that aren't and lately on social media i feel like i've had a lot of people follow me from like hawaii and so of course like over there you know they probably have a lot um but in arizona and when i was a lender in texas i actually met no people in texas and then the only other person i, I met here um she's actually a realtor in washington so i haven't met like any islanders really um that are in the industry and there's this huge thing in the real estate industry it's called um it's it's like a hispanic dang i'm blanking on the name but it's like mm -hmm. a hispanic group for realtors and uh lenders and i'm like where's our group we don't have no <laughs> we don't have no group but one of these days i love that you guys do this as soon as you told me what the podcast was about i was like i'm gonna go listen to a bunch of episodes and i love it it's it's amazing what you guys do um because i've always wanted to create this group and i'm like i know there would only be like a handful of us but i know that they're out there i just haven't ran into them like in person and so, yeah, to answer your question, no, it, it is like an island out here by myself. <laughs> well, you can see, are, you're, you're in Arizona, you're in the Phoenix area of Arizona. Yeah, I'm in the Phoenix area. You can start it. You can jump it off. Breeze, you can go jump we'll that off right yeah, now. We'll promote it. Let us, let us know. We'll promote it right away for you. We'll blast it out to social media. Just let us know what you need from us. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. One of these days, Go for I'm going to start a Polynesian realtor association group. Cause they have one for the one for Hispanics. It's huge. Like there's people that aren't even Hispanic that join it. Cause they're like, Oh, this is cool. And they have like veterans ones. They have all types of groups for realtors, but no, no poly groups. Man, you can start it. Go shoot. Start 2023 new goals. There you go. <laughs> start it off man jump it off you never know um i'm connected with a group of people here in utah where i live and they are in the real estate space i don't know what field they're in but they're in like they're they're purchasing airbnbs like just like short-term rentals and some few long-term rentals but um there's a few out here and they're young and they're energetic and we meet like every quarter to kind of just talk about this space and just try to figure out what everybody knows and, and connects. But I would love to connect you with a lot of the, the polys out here, you know, just so we can continue to build the, build this group. Yes. Yeah. I would love to do that. Cause I don't talk about it a lot. Cause I like, I'll start crying and then I just sound super corny. So I'm like, <laughs> I really don't talk about it all the time. But part of the reason why I like love this job is because my parents, they came here from American Samoa and they didn't know like anything about buying a home. Mm. Nobody taught them anything. And they were renting forever. Like, man, they, they bought their first home when I was little. And then we ended up having to sell it, which 
if they had known that they could just rent it, then they might've kept it, you know, but they sold it. And now some guy like doubled the price and just took advantage of them. Um, and they didn't buy again for, I don't even know how long it was at least like 16 years, I think. And they wasted so much money on rent. And then they finally bought again, like a few years ago after I was like, you guys should buy now's a good time to buy. And they ended up getting a great interest rate. And then I was like, you guys should refi now's a good time to refi. And they ended up getting an even better interest rate because their daughter was like in the industry and they are like so proud of their home purchase. And so half the people I talk to, I just kind of like pretend that it's my parents. Um, cause I'm such a daddy's girl and I love my mom. She's like my best friend. So that's why I care about people so much because I'm like, man, like nobody taught them anything when they were living over there. And, um, a lot of people that I know that like own properties over there or land, they're like, oh yeah, they lend just like, if they know you. And I'm like, what? Like, that's not how it works over here. You know, when people move over here, then they don't know anything about the way that um, mortgages work or like how to buy a home. So I would love to like bring that to the community. That'd be dope. That's a, that's a powerful story. That's a powerful story. That's across many different lines in our culture, right? A lot of people Mm -hmm. come here in the hopes that they can seek a better life for their kids. I mean, I mean, all, I know my parents came over here for that. Um, but yeah, that's such a powerful thing. And now that you know that information, you can share that, you know, you can share all that knowledge and disperse that amongst the, our, our community, you know, that's, that's powerful. Hey, if you so, could guess, if you coach, can guess. Yeah, perfect timing, that was perfect timing coming in and now we can connect her with your group that you have there. It was like, it meant to be for real. we got a quick question for you if you can guess like a statistic right and make it up right here on the spot how many polynesian families do you think in your opinion own a home who my uneducated guess would be i want to say it has to be like five per to ten percent or something crazy And that's not a lot, right? So that's why you are critical to this world. You're critical to our poly people, to our poly community, and you're passionate about it because I could hear it in your voice when you talk about mom and dad and their struggles and and they're not the only ones, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I hope if you're listening to this podcast, you guys got to tap in with Reese, you know, and try to figure out how to get educated, how to get a home and how to get a loan and um, get your credit score up and and, and all those good things and, and being able to purchase a home. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially yeah, especially the, right now. I mean, uh, do you ever get asked the question, when's a good time to get into a home? When's a good time to buy? What is your perspective on that? Yes. Um, we get asked that question a lot. And my answer is always the same. It's really just when you're ready to buy because the market kind of evens out with when interest rates are higher or when they're lower and then how much money that you're going to need to bring to the closing table. So let me just give you an example. During COVID, the interest rates were like crazy low, the lowest the US has ever seen. People were getting like two, 3% interest rates um, because the rates are so low. 
so many buyers were qualified to buy a home that wouldn't otherwise have been qualified before. So when there's more qualified buyers, there's more people looking for homes. So with the higher demand, homes are getting bought up so quick because there's so many people looking sellers know like "Hmm, I can sell this house to anybody because there's so many people that want to buy a home right now. Um, and there's so many qualified people to buy a home. So when the interest rates were at their lowest, sometimes people were having to pay over the asking price and even over the appraised value of how much the home was worth because there was so much competition. They would have to go into bidding wars. Like I'll pay more than that guy. I'll pay more than that guy. Um, so people were getting super low interest rates, but the amount of money they had to come out of pocket with was just ridiculous. I had somebody, this is an actual deal that closed. He paid $50,000 over the appraisal value. And I was like, dude, your home's not worth that much. We just told you on a piece of paper, it's not worth that much. Now, granted, like he was planning on keeping it for a long time. So he's thinking like, eventually it'll be worth that much. And I have a great interest rate. Um, it was probably still a good deal if he holds on to it for a long time, but it's just crazy. Like how much money you have to come out of pocket when the rates are low. And then it's the exact opposite when rates are higher. So now rates are kind of like at their highest that they've been in, in history. And so, Um, there's less people that can even afford to buy a home because we just can't qualify them with the monthly payments. They're too high for some people's income. And so there's less buyers. Now there's more inventory. So there's more houses they can choose from. They can take their time with buying. They can um, look at all the houses that they want, and they might even be the only person making an offer on the one that they want. So the seller's like, I really need to sell. Like, I need to get rid of my house. And so they'll give them money to close and they'll actually pay for like all of their closing costs. Um, Me personally, I bought my house when the rates were starting to go up. I bought after Jake. So my rate is probably like higher than his. Um, and there was just less competition and the closing costs for my house were $8,000, but the seller paid $20,000 for my closing costs, which means that I had $12,000 that I could use to either buy down my interest rate to get a lower interest rate, or, uh, since it was a VA loan, I threw it at, um, debt. So I just, I just paid, um, some debt that I had. And that's like the crazy kind of deals that you can get when the interest rates are higher. So there's, there's deals in every market. Um, the interest rate's not the only thing that's important. Uh, whenever you're ready to buy, like whenever you think you have your down payment, your closing costs, and you're like, I'm stable, I'm good. Then just start looking and ask your realtor, ask your lender, what is the best way that I can get the best deal in this market? And they'll tell you, and you can ask them to compare it to other markets too, but you're going to see like that it kind of evens out. Like if you're going to get a lower interest rate, you need more money. If you are going in a market that has higher interest rates, you need less money. So it just depends on what kind of deal you're looking for, but there's crazy deals you can get in any market. So I don't ever really tell anyone to wait or to uh, buy now. So, so interest rates kind of, it's like a myth, especially if you're a first time home buyer, right? Because typically your price point is not as affected by the interest rates as somebody that's 
let's say somebody's in the price range of 700,000 or crazy, right? But now with the interest rates, they can only afford with their income, a $500,000 house, right? So they may be affected more than somebody that's entry, you know, going in their first time and they're trying to buy within, you know, 150 to the 300 space. So would you, would you, would that be something you would agree with there? Exactly. Yep. Exactly that. So some people, they just don't even want to cut their budget. And then some people they get priced out, like they can no longer afford, um, a home that's like a reasonable price in the area with their income. So that's why there's less buyers right now. Mm. <clears throat> you mentioned something uh, that I caught, like it caught, caught my ear. So if you bring more money to the table, like you have a large, you know, deposit or down payment. Can that bypass the the whole, um, or can that help you help you or hurt you in the in the home buying process for the mortgage or the loan side? It definitely helps. It always helps. The higher your down payment is, um, the lower that your payment is, and then usually the lower your rate is. So if you're putting 20% or more down, typically you're getting the lowest rate and the lowest payment with that amount. Anything less, it's going to kind of creep up um, with each 5% or so that you don't put down. So like if you decide that you want to put 15% down instead of 20, you're going to get a little bit of a higher rate. Um, your payment's going to be a little bit higher when you're talking the difference between putting like 5% down versus putting 8% down a, a difference that small, it might be a huge dollar amount. Like depending on what purchase price you're putting down, it might be like you have to bring an extra $20,000 or something to the table, but over the long term, your monthly payment might only change like a few dollars. So it usually has to be like at least 5%, at least 10% in the difference for you to see like the rate and the monthly payment change a lot. So I understand now. I think I understand. <laughs> I understand the process even way more now that you've been able to talk to you, man. That is dope. Thank you, Reese. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so important. So important having you on to break it down in like ways that it's just easier to understand, right? Because it can be very complicated. The way a lot way a lot of it is presented to us is complicated. So love having you break it down. So it just it, it seems much easier and simple of a process when you explain it the way that you do. One hundred percent. Yeah. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about or touch on or um bring up uh, a topic anything that we might have missed not asking you or the, something that you critically that you wanted to, to share with our listeners um this podcast man you guys had so many great questions i feel like you hit like all of the super major points that people should know um the only other thing that i think it's missed a lot with buyers especially with like social media being out there is every market is so different. And so when you are like watching the news, if you're watching a social media video, just kind of think of it as that person is either talking about a specific market or they're talking about everybody. Like they're talking about the whole nation. Um, so when we say that like markets are slowing down, values are decreasing, 
I could be talking about Phoenix, but there's mm. other markets. Like I've heard Nashville is one of them, but I don't do a lot of business in Nashville. Um, their values I've heard are still going up. Um, and there are some cities where like their, their markets have not slid down at all. Like despite the interest rates, people are still snatching them homes up. They want to buy there. And so, um, I think that's the only other important thing is just to know that like every specific local market is different and that you really have to do the research on your own market instead of doing like a large scale nationwide search when you're looking for information. Mm. Super pro tip right there, y'all. Sheesh. <laughs> Thank you for that. I got to go to school to learn that. You just gave me some free sense. Thank you, sis. <laughs> yeah, you. I got you. <laughs> Malo, Malo. Jeez. Okay. Well, man, this this being the first podcast of the year for the Encouragers podcast, um, man, this has been a great thing. I think we're trying to like not only encourage other people, like you know, to pursue their dreams and everything like this, but also be financially literate. You know, um, understand mortgages and how to apply for loans. And but I think we're trying to go down a little bit more down that financial literacy route. And having a person like you to come on here and break that down, I think that's a great uh, message to get into for the for, for the new year, right? There's something that we can play over and over. And um, I have nothing else to ask you. I think everything um, that I had, questions, I hit it. And then, um, gentlemen, Coach Jake, do you have any other questions you might have for, for Reese here while we have her? Uh, no other questions, but no, like you said, notice no better way to start the new year with, you know, some some game on home buying and right the up. loan process and breaking that all down. We couldn't have had a better guest on. Um, it was great content. I'm so glad we started uh, with you, Reese. Thank you for having me. I love what you guys are doing. I might have missed the episode if you guys already made one because I only got to listen to some of them. Um, but I, I want to see a podcast on like how you guys created your podcast in like how your entire process goes. I'm so curious on that. And I would love to see that like sometime in the future. Yeah, Maybe definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We actually started on our phones, our iPhones. I don't know if you can see, but we started on FaceTime. That's what, that's how we started a podcast. I would record it because I had a video camera, right? Um, I would record the podcast on our from the video camera uh, and screen record it to the Apple screen record thing. It was so ghetto, man. It's still <laughs> we started seeing people, uh, you know, using Zoom and stuff. So we kind of transitioned over to Zoom to try to use it, and we've been here ever since. But we're still not perfect, man. Like our audio is still all messed up. Some of our images are messed, but we just um from our phones that's how we started and we use anchor i'm gonna plug shout out to anchor it's a free platform you can use this should probably be an ad part for the podcast anchor is a free <laughs> <laughs> anchor it's called anchor anchor fm um, and they own spotify or spotify i think owns them but it's a free app anyone can use um you can put ads on there you can um you can put music and all this other stuff but and upload video content to Spotify, kind of like uh, all of the other major uh, podcasts that are going on. But Anchor.com or Anchor FM, I think is the the app. But yeah, 
shout out to anchor for letting us use this platform and yeah but we'll definitely do that we'll definitely try to do um a podcast about that how we started <laughs> or you could listen to all of our episodes because it kind of is sprinkled in like episode here a little bit there <laughs> a little bit there so the more you listen to some of our older stuff you'll actually kind of hear but it, it might be good for us to kind of consolidate it into you know a, a single episode and kind of go but you'll see we, we address it here or there so as you listen to more of our content you'll you'll kind of piece together the story a little bit more than you know now <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to go binge him now. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of mumbling and rambling, so don't mind that. You'll have a good time. <laughs> but, a lot of laughs. Um, like, one of our goals is to get more guys on our podcast. Like, it's it's hard to get um, men and, like, dudes to come up on here and talk with us. Like, every every person we've ever asked um, to, for knowledge and stuff, um, all the females, they always say yes, like, right away. And it, but then like takes two or three weeks for a dude to come on and share it. Like, I don't know what it is, what it is about um, our podcast, but we're equal opportunity uh, podcast. We love to talk to women and men. We need more men for this 2023 year. We want to have a lot more of my brothers come on here and talk and spit game and share, have a cloth talk with us. So if you're listening out there, please come and come and join the podcast, man. We want to share with everyone. I'm going to have to tell my brother to hop on. Um, well, I call him my brother, but my, he's one of my first cousins. Uh, his name's Aladdin. He just recently transitioned out of becoming, uh, or he, he played for USA rugby and then he played for the professional rugby league. He was on the Seattle team mm. and he recently transitioned out. So I don't know if you guys would be doing like athlete ones in the future, but I think oh, yeah. super cool athlete podcasts would be, um, like the transition, which like you guys would have such a great perspective on it. If you haven't done an episode on it is like the transition from like when you stop playing sports to becoming a professional, cause now he's a firefighter and I'm like, dude, I haven't even had a chance to talk to him about how crazy that is, but that's, it's like, I just know the transition from becoming a, pro a professional athlete to just a person that is like a working professional is crazy and like a lot of athletes are go through like a bunch of crazy mental stuff which mm -hmm. i don't even know if he's gone through but i i would love to hear from a male perspective on it that's really? coach's wheelhouse that coach will wrote a thesis on that on one did. of his thesis yep yes it's called it's called identity christ or identity theft Right. He's just trying to figure out who you are after an athlete and it sucks. Yeah. yeah. It's detrimental to the mind and detrimental to your life of transitioning from being a superstar to just being a regular person in the community. And it sucks bad, you know, and it's depressing and all that cool stuff that, but um, yeah, we would love to consider, you know, talking about that. I think mental illness is an issue, is a problem within our poly community, within our whole family environment. And I think it's something that we need to continue to address and and help our poly people may come out of that depression state of being just, you know, sad and not being able to get over it. Yeah, I know he's a huge advocate on like mental health in general. So that'd be cool. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to have him on. Yeah, please share with him. Yeah, I will. 
All right, guys. Well, I don't have anything else. Uh, Reese, you have anything else you want to touch on? No, no. I think you guys hit everything. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. And this has been episode, uh, first episode of the 2023 and hopefully more to come. Thank you guys for, for being here and for tuning in. It's Encourage the Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to grow that channel. And um, please like and follow us on all our social medias. We're on a TikTok too. We don't dance, but we have some TikTok videos. So again, thank you guys for tuning in and you guys have a good night.